Hello and welcome to Midriff, the podcast about gender, music, and music gear. I am your host, Hillary Jones. Uh, for this week's episode, I had a chance to interview Emily Harris from the Get Offset podcast. Um, and after the interview, I will also talk a little bit about microaggressions and their connection to gear culture. So watch out. Uh, so for my quick update, I guess, um, in this weird time, uh, I'm personally still plugging along here at home with my partner, with our four-year-old and our dog. Uh, I feel extremely lucky to be even partially employed. And the class that I'm teaching at RISD started up again last week. Uh, we had our first optional Zoom and it was nice to see some of my students' faces because it had been uh, at least two weeks. And it, it was funny because it was, it was actually sort of, I guess, a bizarre thing because last week's topic in our class was about gender and the body. But all of our actual physical bodies were located literally all over the world, very, very far apart from one another. So, you know, that's just where we're at right now. Um, as far as music is concerned, um, I've been doing my best to hunker down and play when I can. But let's be real, that's not been super frequent. Um, it's been a real challenge with our current work and childcare schedule. Uh, one thing I did do was rearrange my guitars a bit. I moved my Gretsch Corvette. I, I think it's a 65 uh, from my bedroom where it has lived for it, probably four years, maybe longer. I don't know. Uh, to my practice room and traded it with my uh, Made in Japan uh, 72 Tele Custom, one of those reissue ones from the late 90s. Um, I've, had, I, I've had the the telly down uh, in my practice room for a long time and I love it, but I've really gotten attached to having a tremolo on my guitar and not having that on the guitar that I'm actually like doing writing on has been a challenge. I like having a guitar in my room and this is a very first world thing to say um, so that it causes me to actually practice to be able to even have more than one guitar I recognize as a super huge privilege. So anyway, so I moved the telly upstairs and I moved the Gretsch downstairs and it's been nice just to mix that up a little bit. The telly's neck is a maple, which I know, and it's super glossy, which I know a lot of people hate, but I love, I don't know why. I just find it super comfy and, uh, yeah, and restrung the telly. It's real jangly. It's great getting in with the Bigsby on that Gretsch. So it's, it's been good. I've done a little bit of writing as well. So that's been nice. So, so as far as I've mentioned in the past, uh, I really got into gear in college when I worked at a guitar shop in the upper Midwest around the year 2000. And it was something that I was, I've been really passionate about, uh, basically since then. And, you know, the shop had been open since the sixties. And when I was hired, I was the first woman to ever work as a guitar salesperson there even though the owner herself was a woman. With that, you know, came what you would expect of experiences, uh, customers asking male employees, like even those from different departments for help before me, coworkers passing around like naked pictures of women and gross jokes, which were like printed off from the internet because it was the year 2000 and people didn't understand how the internet worked apparently. They would just pass things around on a piece of paper. I don't know. So I don't obviously work at that shop anymore, but I do spend a lot of time researching gear on forums, on social media. And while things are definitely getting better, I would be lying if I said that I found 
them to always or consistently be more hospitable places to be for the most part. But it's nice that now with the internet, we have a lot more options for learning about gear. And at the very least, we can also, we, we um, can be a little bit more selective about where we're getting our information. And my guest this week, Emily Harris, is part of creating a much more hospitable space with the Get Offset podcast with her co-host, Andrew Renard. You know, over the last few years, I've gotten pretty deep into podcasts, which is partly, you know, why we're here. Uh, and also like researching gear podcasts is a part of that. Um, and Get Offset is, I believe, the only gear podcast hosted, or in Emily's case, co-hosted by a cis woman, trans or non-binary person. If someone else knows of others, please tell me because I I don't know about them. Uh, so while, um, you know, Get Offset, they do a lot of the traditional things that gear podcasts do, talking about new gear, like things happening in the industry, industry, things like that. They also go beyond that and they try to create a space and advocate for cis women, trans folks, for folks of color within their episodes and conversations as well and some of the topics that they take on. So um, so that's really awesome. And, you know, they say that they are trying to offset the status quo of gear culture and I'm really psyched that they are a part of making that change. And Emily has also started a, a related geared YouTube channel, which she'll talk about. And she plays out in her band uh, Sunday Crush as well. This was a really great conversation. And we got into everything from dealing with Internet trolls to learning how to rewire your guitar to tips for starting a YouTube channel. And if you want to keep up to date with Midriff, you can do so on my website at hillarybjones.com slash Midriff or by following on Instagram or Facebook at Midriff Podcast. So here's my interview with Emily. All right, ready? One, two, three. Welcome to Midriff. Hey, thanks so much for having me. I'm just so proud to be here. I I'm so proud to have you. I'm finger I'm doing finger guns right now. If you can't you can't actually see it, but I'm I'm doing the finger guns. Pew, pew. <laughs> um all right, can you do a little a quick introduction? Uh your name, your pronouns, a little bit about you and your background with music. Yeah, I'm Emily Harris from the Get Offset Podcast. I'm a she her type of person uh so i'm a musician not a magician i'm a musician uh based out of seattle uh part-time musician full-time friend uh uh, content creator (laughs) all those dumb things that people say you're a professional friend (laughs) you get paid (laughs) full time for your friendship I'm medium employed. (laughs) Friend for hire. Friend for hire. Yeah, if you pay me, I will be a very good friend. I'm a great listener. I'm pretty funny. Um, No, so I host a podcast called Get Offset. I also have a a gear demo channel under the same name where I review and demonstrate uh, 
guitars and pedals. And that's something I've just been doing for a few months, but it's gotten a pretty good response so far. I also play guitar in a few bands. Um, in Seattle, I play guitar primarily in a group called Sunday Crush. And uh, sometimes I fly to Nashville to play with a band called Michelle Sullivan and the All Night Boys. And then I mostly play guitar for anybody who will pay me to play guitar. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that that seems reasonable. I used to say I would play for anybody who asked and then people started asking and then didn't want to pay me. I was like, I, I need to rephrase this. <laughs> so so you what is your what is your part time gig other than being a friend? Uh, I do a lot of marketing work and a lot of uh, freelance writing right now. I actually am a strategy director at a content marketing agency. Uh, and if you know what content marketing is, then that's, it's basically, uh, it's boring. It's boring to talk about right now. This is not why you're here, but um, it's not, I was just curious. Yeah. I do a lot of writing, um, about things with the hopes of those things ranking with Google. So I might write about, you know, um, how to wear Palazzo pants and hope that that ranks somewhere in the Googles for a specific client that sells Palazzo pants. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then uh, I, 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 I'm getting more into writing in the, in the music kind of realm. Like I just had a piece published on reverb.com. I've had some stuff published in she shreds. I've written for the fretboard journal. Um, I'm trying to get uh, in, in, in the process of, of getting more work like that lined up because it's, it's, what I prefer to write about versus, you know, CPA insurance or whatever. Uh, why? <laughs> I don't understand. Uh, CPA insurance isn't the most boring thing I've ever written about. <laughs> uh, yeah, but it's nice to think about like a way to like have all of these things kind of be in alignment. It seems like you're doing, for the most part, though, it seems like you're doing a lot of things that do seem to be super in line, but also probably feeding you in a lot of different ways. Yeah. More now, more, more so now than, than ever, which is, um, I think in no small part because I just decided to dive into the guitar podcast game. It's getting wild. Opened up some opportunities, you know? So uh, you've been playing, you said since you were eight, what, mm-hmm. I'm curious what your very first guitar was. My very first guitar when I was eight, it was some sort of classical guitar designed for children i'm sure i don't i don't have it still i don't play it at i mean i i very quickly gravitated to where my mom had an old epiphone uh, she prefer i say vintage epiphone acoustic <laughs> uh so that's what i played a lot more um i never really liked nylon strings so uh apparently so it was it was probably closer to being 10 that i really really got into playing guitar and about then i uh stopped playing video games so i i it's it's funny like uh so until i was 10 it was like it was just like a cutoff like oh yeah i'm saving all my money to buy an n64 or game boy games and pokemon and then i was like uh i'm actually gonna save up and i bought a squire stratocaster black sparkle Mm, um, classic and put a a bunch of like girl power stickers on it Did you have like the cat? Oh, I guess that was more of the '90s. That was like that little kitten sticker that everybody had. That was that was the '90s. It was a long time ago. Never mind. <laughs> yeah. So this would have been to 1999. Oh, that's fair. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. So did you take lessons initially? Then, like, yeah, my dad drove my my butt to lessons every week, which was quite a drive because we lived in rural Ohio. 
So mm. he would drive me down uh, probably 30 to 45 minutes once a week. We'd have like dinner at Quiznos or whatever. But uh, so, yeah, that was uh, go dad. Nice job, dad. A plus dadding. Good, good dadding. Good dadding. And my mom gave me a couple lessons to begin with. And we had a family friend who played guitar, which is probably where my interest, you know, first really, really sparked because Scoop always had all those uh, guitars and stuff. Scoop. Always good Scoop. for that. Yeah. <laughs> Scoop was good for guitars. Nice job, Scoop. Nice job, dad. Nice job, Scoop. Nice job, mom. Everyone. Nice job. Look yeah. what you did. It takes, it Look takes a village. <laughs> it takes a village to raise a, a, a musician, <laughs> at least a female one. <laughs> so I can see uh, in my video that you have a bunch of guitars behind you. Um, this is the same setup that you have in a lot of your, your videos. Uh, listeners can't see this. So <laughs> what what is your current general setup? I know you're changing stuff like all the time, but um, what, are you, what are you currently currently using a lot of? So I, I've been primarily using two guitars the past, like, year. Uh, actually, uh, so in June, I picked up my my new favorite guitar, the first guitar I've ever had custom built for me, my friend Layla City up in Edmonton in Alberta, Canada. Uh, she has she builds guitars under the moniker Tunatone, and her sixth-ever guitar was made for me, and I picked that up at the Vancouver International Guitar Festival, I believe in late June, so I've been just pretty much playing that. It's a single pickup, small body, weighs like five pounds. Uh, just a single coil in the neck. I, I love this guitar so much. It's it's my absolute favorite. And I've also been playing uh, a Squire Classic Vibe Starcaster a lot. Uh, neither of those are on the wall behind me because they're in gig bags because I transport them a lot. Mm -hmm. But... The Squire, I've always loved the shape of Starcasters and the look of them. Ever probably since I saw Jessica Dobson from Deep Sea Diver play it, she's the first person I ever saw play a Starcaster. So I, I bought one when they came up for sale. Uh, that was my first real big demo channel video when I decided I was going to start doing it on a regular basis and kind of launched the channel. And I've just been working to do all of these, what's the word, uh, modifications to it. So I've like swapped out the wiring twice. I've added um, a Duesenberg less trim on it. I'm having my friend Mark cut some custom pick guard options for mm. it. So I, and I and I bought a different pickup for the neck that I'm going to install at some point. So my goal is to just uh, do a lot of videos with this guitar to to really build the channel since there's so much comparatively to all the things that I own. There's a lot of search traffic for for Starcasters mm. versus the pedals. Guitars are more interesting. Well, they're more universal than the pedals. Interesting. Um, so from a search perspective, uh, in terms of competition and everything, uh, I'm it's kind of a strategic decision from the marketer in me to really focus on the Starcaster. And the great thing is, I just really enjoy playing it. Yeah, it's such a cool <laughs> guitar. Is that made in? Where is that made? Not not the United States. <laughs> no, I know that. Yeah, <laughs> but I, don't, I, I just I, I don't like, remember. I feel like some of those newer squires, like for a while, the squires were kind of like not great, and then at, at some point they ended up like doing something. Maybe in the last like five ten years, where there's like been a series of squires that are just or a couple series that have been just so nice, like almost like a like they were like the Japanese ones back in the like eighties. Totally. Like the quality has improved pretty drastically. Yeah, they really have. And I think that whole classic vibe line is... Classic vibe, that's what it was, yeah. Yeah, I think the affinity is still cheap, cheap, cheapy. 
kind of things. Yep. But I think that the classic vibe line is like typically a hundred bucks more expensive than the affinity. And I think way better. Just, oh my God. So much better. It's astounding. It's you're like, yeah. Oh, this is a guitar. I can actually play like a regular person. And, and I'm not going to like cut my fingers on the frets or whatever. Yeah. You know? I don't have to, I yeah. don't have to take it in and get the frets rounded or anything. Right. And, and the tuning machines are fine. And it's like, everything about it is like just slightly better than fine in a lot of ways, <laughs> which is mm-hmm. good, which, mm-hmm. you know, for a $300, $400 guitar. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So when you're playing out, you have a couple of amps that you use. And then I know you've been using the the Iridium for a lot of your um, demos, which yeah, seems like a really great solution for that. It is, especially because it enables me to demo stereo pedals uh, in a better way versus mm-hmm. uh, having the plug-in. Like I have a JC40, a uh, Roland JC40, and that's a stereo amp. But I have a I live at a townhouse, so to be able to do that silently and have it sound good is is really nice. I haven't I haven't played the Iridium out out. I typically play uh, the Milkman, the amp, the original fifty watt version. I know he just came out with a one hundred watt version, and I love the sound of it. I love having onboard reverb and tremolo for that little amp and having it in a pedal setting. And it works in most gigs. I did have to pick up. Uh, and kind of put a new speaker in a, a cabinet and just kind of keep it in the back of the Explorer. And because uh, sometimes when you play a DIY venue, the mo- it's mostly for the mm-hmm. monitor, the monitoring because yeah. you'll, you'll step out and see, you're like, Oh, that sounds great, but I can't hear anything. And that's scary. <laughs> <laughs> Cross your fingers. It's going to be fine. Yeah. You, just don't, you almost don't trust it when you can't hear yourself. Even if you no. like have all the muscle memory and you're like, I know I'm playing the right stuff right now, but. Uh, but it's like, you, you're not getting that. Yeah. It's like, you don't get the feel of it because part of it is like, you know, being able to hear yourself as, as part of how the song goes. And it's like, if you don't have that, it's a bummer. Yeah, totally. Okay. So I want to scoot in a little bit about, uh, and talk about Get Offset. So first of all, like what inspired the creation of Get Offset? How did that all start? So Get, Get Offset was originally a three person podcast and uh, it was sort of an internet friend who was in some of these Facebook groups with me, he, he wanted to start a podcast. Uh, and ultimately it was sort of, uh, it became a three person thing. There was someone else in Seattle who was also in these groups and he and I gelled really well. And uh, eventually the, the other person just, it was timing issues. This person just, it's hard to schedule three people uh, really yeah. hard. So it, it's now it's just Andrew and I, and we wanted to do a guitar podcast, but I didn't just want to talk about like news of the week or, take anybody else's ideas or just kind of talk about things that have already been talked about to death. And none of these podcasts really, it's all, I, I don't know if it's just because it's a bunch of white dudes primarily on these podcasts, but they don't, they don't really want to talk about social issues. <laughs> <laughs> and when they do, sometimes you're like, Ugh. I know it actually makes it worse sometimes. <laughs> sometimes it does like, cause they don't have a perspective of someone who's experienced what it's like to be told your band can't be on a bill because they already have a band with a girl in it and uh, for female fronted to be a genre or uh, just complete lack of color diversity in, in the guitar world because yeah. they they don't have any real litmus for it. And these groups are still largely a bunch of white dudes. And even the good Facebook groups, man, sometimes every once in a while somebody says something, you're like, this is why women don't feel comfortable in these groups is because you say, terrible things like this. <laughs> right. 
Yeah, enough, you know, like so many memes of like, should I, you know, oh, don't want to tell my wife about all the guitars I bought. Oh like, my the- God. Like the Wampler group, I remember I've got into it with, with Brian Wampler and all of his uh-huh. people once because something was like unwelcoming to women. I just said, I just think it's unwelcoming to women when we say things like we're going to hide our purchases from our wives or the wife or blah, 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 wife bashing and all this crap, like making excuses for your own really rude decisions and irresponsible decisions and someone on reddit eventually posted this whole like collective i guess they just went to the wobbler group and typed wife or wives and they they did this big mirror like uh, collage of all these wife bashing posts and then uh brian wobbler was like no more wife bashing in the group i never got an apology for him being a dick to me but oof (laughs) drama that's fine wow Wow, that's uh, this yeah, was that's over wild. a year. This was over a year ago. Yeah, I still like. Ah. Yeah, I mean, it's like, and it's like you want people to be talking about these issues and like being concerned, but also it's like you need to have some education. It's not just like obviously the experience, but also like having some understanding of of the dynamics of the issues, right? Like yeah. it's not just spouting off about whatever comes to your head because, or like some inspirational quote that you saw on your like dentist's poster. I don't know. Women need to step up. <laughs> <laughs> Lean in. Lean in. Hashtag yeah, girl boss. Hashtag, uh, I don't know. Lady boss, boss bitch. <laughs> <laughs> lady girl boss. Hashtag mid-level marketing. Oh, oh boy. It's too real. <laughs> it's too real. <laughs> too real. So uh, so you've had a lot of different guests on, on Get Offset, and I'm wondering, like, like, I guess you have a lot of different types of episodes that you do, or like, it seems like the general purpose that you have with them is to try and like, you know, you're doing interviews, you're having like conversations generally about gear and updates. And then, and then like having some like conversation about some of the issues going on in the gear community. Do you plan those out in advance? Is it like, do you try to mix it up in a different way or? We try to pick guests around topics whenever we can. So if say we want to talk about, um, cloning circuits we would want to talk to a pedal builder about that and because mm-hmm. they could offer that perspective of stuff that we just don't know anything about or um if we want to talk about like that video of gibson destroying a bunch of guitars that didn't meet qa we want we brought somebody on from deering banjos who has taken banjos to a hacksaw because they didn't meet meet the qa and it would have these were unsavable kind of instruments so we try we try to do that when we can um other times we talk to people who specifically have a story they want to talk about or Mm -hmm. just somebody we've been wanting to talk to like i just had charlie bliss on the podcast because my husband and i are big fans and i just i was like hey why not why not try to have a band that i like on the podcast yeah that's awesome and you talked to joey uh from lenev yeah have you talked to joey do you know Joey? Yeah, jo- well, Joey's from Providence, or like lived in Providence for a long time, right. which is where I'm from. So, yeah, Joey was just my house guest the other night. My band, oh no way, yeah. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> that's so funny. Yeah, so it's that's cool that you're able though to like kind of mix it up and have a lot of different, like be able to like do a lot of different things, which is which is great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was that was another one where we specifically wanted to hit the t- the topic of the no music for ice. Uh, originally, like so, we'd had Sadie Dupuy from Speedy Ortiz and Sad Thirteen on before and so i was messaging her i'm like i really want to talk about this on the podcast especially since we're a seattle-based podcast Mm -hmm, and she ultimately couldn't do it and then 
she recommended Joey and it was really, really, really great. So what has been your experience like getting into demos more? Like, how's that, how does that feel? I guess like, had you done a lot of video stuff before or? No, (laughs) I had not done a lot of video (laughs) stuff. Um, But my husband used to be a part owner of a live video streaming company. So they would live stream uh, concerts. That was what they were supposed to do, but really, truly their bread and butter was just capturing video, videography kind of things uh, from live performances or just being video work for a music video or whatever. So he has some nice cameras and uh, a basic knowledge of how to edit things. So he really helped me a lot with the first couple of videos. And then I uh, started trying to do it on my own. So that's been a learning experience for me. It just it's it was something I wanted to do since the beginning of the podcast, but I just kept like putting up reasons to not do it. I I just want to be able to do it right. I want to make sure I have like the right lighting and the right mm. camera and like know how to do it, and do some test things. And then um there was this uh, event that happened in Germany. It was uh f- like 42 Gear Street, I think it was called, and there were no women at this event. No, I remember. I remember hearing about this. That was the whole None. thing. None. That was the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. So, and then the guy who ran it said, "Well, there just there really aren't many women doing this." I was like, "Well, you're wrong. Like, I could name a couple. Uh, you just didn't want to. Yeah, they're smaller channels, but like, Anne Sulikowski is doing great stuff in the ambient right. demo space. There's a woman named Megan L who just does really, really cool demos, and there, there are not." A, a ton others that have like above a thousand kind of followers or subscribers or whatever but at the same time there's a reason that they don't have as big the channels aren't as big and it's partially because like they're getting getting excluded from events like this so it kind of like is a little fu i started a gear, a gear channel and the guy <laughs> who ran it's actually been real like the guy i kind of got into it with them and i just said it was it like like your remarks were flippant and because and i I don't know how much of that is like English is in his first language, German mm. is, but then again, they're very similar languages and he speaks English really well. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I think he was trying to like defend himself against some rejections for some people he did reach out to, but he's been, he's been really uh, kind of supportive since then. So uh, it's, I'm really astounded by the amount of support I've gotten just from the get go. Brands are into it. Like, Fender sent me some pedals, which was really yeah. cool. I got to do uh, the Iridium launch with Strymon. So I was one of the people who got to uh, release a demo the day it came out. Uh, Old Blood Noise Endeavors has sent me stuff. Dwarfcraft has been really supportive. I, that's my favorite company. Uh, Boss has been supportive. So it's just been great. It's been really good. Uh, not a lot of negativity surrounding it and way fewer rapey comments on the youtube than i expected but still some <laughs> that's <laughs> that's good bad news uh i mean like you know honestly like, that, be that, because that's because that's my follow-up question right because i feel like that's part of the major issue like why is it that people are not doing youtube demos the very real issue of like a lot of a lot of like women trans non-binary folks are not wanting to get into that space because they don't want to have to deal with that than all the trolls sometimes they're bad sometimes they kind of stick with you i i like for a long time the worst i got was uh you yap too much just get into it will ya <laughs> or <laughs> And, like, sometimes I'll get, like, a weird deluge of downvotes when a video first comes out, and then, like, over time, I I won't get any downvotes for, like, 
four months after or something. Uh, and you're like, okay, so either people are following me just to immediately downvote my, my shit, mm-hmm. or there's some bot situation happening because it seems weird that within the first like 30 minutes of releasing a demo for the RC10R, the boss looper, I get six downvotes. And now it's like my third most popular video and people just have nice things to say about the tutorial that I did. And so that's kind of weird. Uh, yesterday I actually did have to delete a comment after, after I Googled the things that this person said they wanted to do to me. Oh my <laughs> I like, God. I like, I like, I think I'm a little, okay. <laughs> <laughs> wait, because you didn't, wait, because you didn't know what it was or because it was not in English. It was, oh no, it was, it was in English, but it was like, uh, the, the, the shit guys say to each other on like a video game like it was very uh-huh. video game speak and when I looked up yeah. like okay like abbreviations I'm like I don't know what I think I have an idea like this doesn't sound good oh, <laughs> uh, I just want to confirm and it was like I knew it was like I knew it was sexual I knew it was uh, offensive and I just was like I wonder what that actually does mean first I'm like hmm this is this is a comment from a man who's never given a woman an orgasm certainly (laughs) (laughs) right (laughs) (laughs) Mm. (laughs) well there we have it yeah it's it's I feel like this like super common thing I think even just generally with social media I think about like the way that that companies and brands deal with their social media and there are some brands if they like post if they post a woman playing guitar immediately all the comments are just like you know i want to whatever you know like just not not yeah. cool not cool no. or like even little things like that, that they think are compliments like just really aren't like you're not calling these like you're not gonna like look at a video of steve Vai and be like "Ooh, that's he looks delicious <laughs> meanwhile i get comments on my shit that says "Ooh, you look delicious I'm like that's uh, uh. serial killer shit <laughs> <laughs> and and uh like th- th- i'm sure they think our compliments are, are weird things to say like women don't look right holding a guitar i'm like well that's just really weird that's like if you've ever read Heart of Darkness and they talk and like that racist novella mm-hmm. and they talk about the the Africans on the book looking like, like I don't think it was like a dog with a bow tie, but it was kind of like that sort of thing. Like, oh, mm-hmm. God, like just not not near not nearly the same level, but Obviously. like, yeah, but like va- like vaguely reminiscent of that. Like, ah, it's just a weird thing to say. Or, you know, just the outward, like just like women suck guitar or, you know, the. The, the the weird sex stuff that no one will ever that some men just don't seem to get why it's so bad and messed up and inappropriate or or they do and that's why they're doing it it's like hard to say right yeah it is hard to say are you playing dumb or mm-hmm. you know it's yeah. bad and that's why you're saying it you want to create a space that's unwelcoming to women like i'm in a couple guitar groups right now that are for like youtube demoers and one guy the other day and one said uh my my revenue numbers are dropping faster than a woman's panties in the red light district i was like what the fuck dude why why like why do you need to say that like you under you got to understand that this is why women feel unwelcome in these groups it isn't just like <sighs> yeah you know it's just bad it's just, <laughs> it's it's getting better but it's still very bad yeah like well maybe this is why your revenue numbers are dropping because you suck Ooh, yeah i mean i feel like i could go on and talk about that forever but (laughs) as far as like 
your experience as a musician, do you have like particular experiences around like, I mean, I think we've hit on a few of them already, but like around gender and identities and gear uh, as someone who's out playing? Yeah, definitely. Or, or purchasing, I guess, or whatever. Yeah, however you want per- to interpret purchasing that. Purchasing has always been the weirder one for me. I think that you know, again, I'm, I'm 30 years old. I've been playing music since I was eight. I go into a venue and I start setting up and I know what I'm doing. I feel like most sound people could kind of glean that, uh, guitar stores sometimes still, especially before I become a regular in one getting ignored. Like I go with my husband sometimes and he'll have to like fend the people off. And like, I'm like, he's, he's also a musician, but he's not the one who's doing the purchasing most of the time. He'll have to go and like get somebody like she's been sitting over here for a while and none of y'all talk to her and she is your customer. Mm-hmm. Or once I went into a guitar center with the intention of selling some amps or like trading a couple amps for a smaller one. And uh, I'm, I'm wheeling the amps and uh, my husband's helping me carry one of them. And I'm walking up to somebody to introduce myself to say hey i'm looking for a trade-in my hands like outstretched the guy walks right past me up to my husband and says uh so what are we doing with these today <laughs> and rick's like well you have to ask her they're her amps and then the guy looked at me and the look on his face was a, the look of a man who realized he'd lost all of his uh bargaining power zing <laughs> zing <laughs> but those are just you know these micro kind of interactions some sound guys are just grumpy and you can't, sometimes it's not that you're a woman. Sometimes really it's just that they hate their job and they hate everybody and it's not about you, but it's, it's, it's hard to tell. And that's sort of what makes it hard sometimes is, is it, does it make it okay that they're being a dick to you, even if it's not cause you're a woman or you're not white or you're not, you know, cis het, like, does it make it okay that they're being a dick? And I would say no. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And it's hard because I think there's almost almost like the stereotype is so strong around like sound dudes. And I would say like, you know, repair, like amp repair folks or like, you know, like, oh, repair folks. (laughs) That that it's like it is hard to tell because that stereotype is there on on their end as well. Um, And so like how much is that feeding into all of it? Right. Yeah. And I always have guys say, oh, dudes gear splain to dudes all the time I'm like yeah but you gotta understand it's like 10 times worse for a woman 10 times easily like every everything gets second guessed like people saying oh no you don't want that are you sure it's what you want do you re- are you are you sure you want to install vintage tuners so you said modern tuners right no vintage tuners like oh my god the experience <laughs> i've had just that's why i started doing the mods on my own because i just got mm-hmm. tired of, of people second guessing like telling me to second guess what I know I wanted to do. Like, I'm Mm -hmm. not just bringing this in here willy nilly with like, because it's trendy to do this or whatever. Like I, I know what I wanted a guitar and you know, I've been playing it for most of my life at this point. When did you get into doing like a lot of the like mod stuff and like repair stuff? Just a few years ago. Mm -hmm. Um, I bought, I'm a big Prince fan. So I bought this, uh, Prince, uh, his Telecaster type of thing, uh, really cheaply from a company called uh, Tommen. So they're Harley Bentons and they had a, a Mad Cat sort of thing. And I just wanted to do some modifications to that because um, like the pick guard wasn't quite like Prince's. So I swapped out the pick guard. It was the first time I did any work on a guitar. I refinished the headstock to make it look better and to put a water slide decal on it. 
Uh, and then I learned how to solder just because I wanted to try to build pedals and install new pickups and guitars versus, you know, you can buy a soldering iron for a hundred bucks and it'll, if you learn how to solder, it'll pay for your first, you know, pickup wiring switch out. Cause that's like most bench fees here are 85 bucks an hour. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I was like, I just wanted to be able to do it. Because I've always, people always tell me it's easy. Soldering's easy. I don't, I still don't think soldering is easy, but uh, I'm more comfortable doing it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because you practice it too. I mean, it's just like everything, right? Practice makes progress. Yeah. But I think there's a lot of people who are just like, I don't, I'm scared of soldering. I'm scared of tearing things apart because I don't want to like break it or whatever. You got to break stuff sometimes. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) I say like for people who are kind of worried, like don't, don't start on the guitar. Obviously, don't start on the guitar. Don't start on anything that you care about. Um, most I bought a soldering kit that came with like a practice uh, PCB, so a little practice circuit board that you would just literally practice soldering into certain points and different sizes. And then at the end, you would like put some capacitors and resistors and LEDs, and you'd have like a thing. And I bought a bunch of those little kits, and they're cheap. They're cheap as eight dollars for these kits. Hmm. So I mean, and then like you build them. You get frustrated and then you fix it. You build your confidence up and then maybe move into things like installing a new wiring harness or installing a new pickup and Mm -hmm. just like watching videos. Like it just, you're not going to dive into it being able to, you know, build a chorus pedal without screwing it up because I've screwed up my fair share of chorus pedals. But uh, now I can, you know, sit down for a couple hours in an afternoon and I've rewired the Starcaster twice now i'm gonna do it at least one more time and uh it's it feels really good when you do it right for folks who might not be familiar with rewiring what does rewiring like what is the benefit of doing that so sometimes uh, especially for uh budget guitars they maybe don't use the high one of the ways they save money is by using um lower end electronics in the guitar and sometimes just swapping it out for higher end electronics so that's like the potentiometers on the knobs and everything, uh, the wire itself within them, switching that out can can improve the sound in an affordable way. When when someone tells me they don't like the way their guitar sounds and they're thinking about like spending three hundred dollars to take pickups, I'm like, whoa! How about first you spend fifty dollars to get a wiring harness from Gun Street Wiring? Because and then sometimes for some pickups, there's just um, there are different values of pot- potentiometers mm-hmm. for volume. Those are the knobs on the guitar, if you don't know, and swapping those out for from like say a lower value to a higher value can add a lot more clarity and warmth to the pickups and just really is what it was meant to have used so like when i first rewired the starcaster literally the only thing i changed out technically were the values of the tone potentiometers and now just doing that i got so much more clarity from the pickups they kind of sounded muddy before and they sound crisp and beautiful now you can also do more advanced things with with um wiring you can have a push pull knob for for example on a humbucker guitar so you pull on the knob it it can do what's called a coil split so instead of having that humbucker sound you'll have a single coil sound lots of weird amazing things that that are out there uh, that don't fully make sense to me, but I have friends who I can bounce ideas off of. Right, like 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 phasing and like yeah, that like kind of, yeah. Out of phase. yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't I I don't know how to do the rewiring and that kind of thing or understand the phasing thing entirely. But you know, it's nice. Know to it have, it's nice right? to have options. Yeah, it's cool yeah. to have like the option there if you're 
you know, wanting to be able to have some flexibility with, with your guitar, especially if you only have like one or two guitars and you want to be able to like have them do a lot of different types of things. Totally. It's, and it's way cheaper than new pickups and new guitars. Yes. <laughs> have you have you done any uh, pedal building or anything like that? Yeah, I've done a couple pedals from kits. Haven't ultimately really used any of them in a while. I have an overdrive that's kind of based on the Blues Breaker clone. And I have a fuzz. I, I built a wooly mammoth style fuzz pedal with some, some folks in the neighborhood a few months ago that I just ended up giving to a friend. But that was really cool uh, and fun. And I have a friend uh, at a company called Spruce Effects, Brian Bicknell. And he had sent me just these blank, like unpopulated uh, circuit boards for some of his pedals. And I kind of want to like, I kind of want to make them now. I think he just like kind of did it as a, as a joke, but uh, <laughs> I'm like, I'm going to take it as a challenge. It's a challenge to unity. Challenge to unity. Yeah, that's I right. Like that. mm-hmm. I feel like you have a, a, an interesting like range of different things that you've kind of worked on. Is there anything in particular that you've like learned that you feel super proud of? Any, anytime I wire up a guitar, I feel really proud. Most of my pride, you know, for, I, I feel like I, I have a reputation locally as like a gearhead, and I do have a lot of pedals and a lot of gear. And I know uh, a few things about the, the pedals and, and the gear and everything, but uh, I'm still very proud of myself every time I, I learn a, a new song or memorize a song or mm. have a good show. And that's, that's when I'm most proud of myself really is, is when I figure something out in the, in the playing. And I, I think that there is this idea that a, a lot of people buy new gear as uh and then they don't practice like almost Mm -hmm. to mask mask their playing skills their subpar playing skills and i like i love i love gear i like pedals i just nothing is better to me though than like just being able to sit down for two hours and practice my guitar it's without effects even um it just makes me feel makes me feel good and accomplished in a real way because I don't really feel accomplished by purchasing things. That's not right. an accomplishment. Right. Hashtag <laughs> capitalism. Hashtag capitalism. Yeah. I mean, I think that's like a, it's, it's so true. Like I feel like I found for a long time, what was happening to me is I would get so, I want to make things sound exactly this way that like I get in the basement and like rearrange all my stuff so many times that I would get, you know, by the time I would get it to sound the way I wanted it to, I wouldn't even have time to practice. So, um, yeah. Yeah. And I've, I've done that too. Like I've bought specific gear because specific musicians play that gear and learning that, well, you know, the tone is part of it, but it's the way that they're playing is, is, is what you're really trying to, to get after. Like, you can buy all of Prince's pedals and you're never going to play guitar like Prince. <laughs> what? Yeah, it just ain't going to happen. Just, just like, because that's not where the magic was in it. And uh, I've really tried to cut down the amount of times I, I have to rebuild my board for every gig, but I'm trying to do that less. <laughs> it's a pain. Like, I gotta try, yeah. And I got, the thing is I have to like test pedals out. Like I have the, the, some of them are easy to demo. Like I'll take out a fuzz pedal and I'm like, okay, well, I know that I'm probably going to play like this kind of riff and you can get through it pretty quickly. And then sometimes you have to demo like, or you don't have to, you get to demo like the boss MD 200, their modulation station with like 11 different types of (laughs) modulation and like 
four, five, six parameters to control per thing. And you're, and you're like, well, I guess I really just probably need to play this out a little bit and see what's good about it and what's bad about it. You know, you have to spend time with some of the things a lot more than the other things. Yeah, it can be overwhelming for sure. Yeah. Are there particular things like that you like you're you're there's a realm you're like this is the one thing that I don't know about yet like with re- with regard to gear or even playing like uh practicing if there's something that you're like I really always wanted to learn this thing what was it I just need to understand what an LFO is I oh, really god. I got I gotta figure that one out <laughs> yeah I've always see it I see it like I've just demoed a phaser and like the major's like LFO 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 I'm like I just I don't know what that means yeah, there's I feel some, like I've Googled it. There's some some stuff where I'm like, like some of the particular uh, language around pedals too. And I like spend a fair amount of time researching and thinking about pedals, but I still get all the different like, like MOSFET versus, you know, like all of that. I'm versus MOSFET. Like, uh, yeah. And I'm like, I should know what that is, but I don't remember. Yes. I and I'm like, is that the one that sounds like a Marshall? Is that the one that sounds like a rat? I don't remember. I'm yeah, just say it sounds like sounds like that. I don't know. <laughs> and and so it's just it gets to be jargon, and I feel like that's also unwelcoming for beginners, which is why I'm glad for publications like She Shreds Magazine. Yeah, that totally. Isn't, they're just not. I feel like a lot of the guitar magazines, like the longer they're around, the the more like, well, we've already talked about this beginner stuff. But most guitarists are beginners. And most of them quit within a year because it's hard. And it, it only makes it harder when you rely a lot on on jargon. And that's something that I, the more you l- learn about a thing, the, the more you have to intentionally pull back, like the way that you talk about it in a way that is accessible. Totally. And it, and, and I think the, what you're saying as far as like the jargon pushing people away, it's like, yeah, I think people ex- will particularly use the jargon in order to do that, to create that, that breakdown, because they don't want to include people, um, which is Mm -hmm. unfortunate. Yeah, that's very true. I mean, does it matter? Okay. I always say that like intentions don't matter. I'm like, it doesn't really matter what the intention is. If you're using this language, that's uh, keeping people away intentionally or not. Like it just, I don't know if it matters. Yeah. Yeah. It just is what's happening still. So, you know, just try to try to do better and don't, don't like do things that you know are unwelcoming to people and then say well I didn't mean them that way because it doesn't really matter it still has the same effect right intention doesn't equal impact right right when you're thinking about gear generally is there something that you that you totally disagree with that everybody is like everybody else thinks is like a truism most of the things I would say uh, (laughs) everything you know is wrong everything you know is not necessarily fact and the new cool hip thing changes all the time. I remember when I first started getting back into pedals, it was like true bypass was right. the thing. And so I had some true bypass pedals and then I needed to buy a buffer anyway. Yeah. So like, well, one, I think that true bypass is just easier to do. And two, brands could then sell their own buffer. Wait, <laughs> hold on. Are you saying that they would do that for money? <laughs> I think maybe they did that for money a little mm. bit. And so th- things, like it just happens all the time and it's always something different. And pretty much whenever anything is like super duper trendy, I, if you like that, that's really cool. But it's never, it's never a truism because uh, 
taste is never a truism. That's good. I like that. Oh, God, I just I just can't even think about what people are saying these days. That's like, like, oh, chorus sucks. Okay. I thought chorus was coming back. I think chorus is coming back, and I like I like to put my chorus before my drive section. I think it kind of mellows it a little bit. <laughs> like I have a uh, the infinite jets over there. I'm like I can't. I don't think I can use this in any of these projects. So I guess I'll just need to start a new project where I can use all my weird stuff. Mm, interesting. I, I it's funny. I put a chorus pedal on my board, and I have yet to figure out a way to use it up in a, that I would want. Like, I don't know where I would use a rainbow machine in any of my bands right now. Yeah, I feel like there's uh, there's so many amazingly wild pedals out there right now, like the rainbow machine mm-hmm. and things like that. And they they have like a very specific space that they can be used depending on what you're what you're trying to accomplish with them which it's like they're so cool but yeah it's like you have to figure out how to how to fit them in in a way that makes sense for sure yeah and like uh i keep trying to put the grazer are you familiar with the dwarfcraft devices grazer yeah i keep trying i keep trying to sneak that onto the sunday crush board (laughs) how's that going uh sometimes like i think it's like i get a ton of compliments on that pedal after every show they're like oh i like that weird like jingly thing and then one time my singer was like, I don't like it. <laughs> I was like, ah. Come on. Ow, Jenna. <laughs> yeah. But then she she just recently told me I can try using it again. <laughs> so well, that's I think nice. I will. Compromise. Yeah. Compromise. I feel like sometimes there's certain pedals, and for a long time I couldn't get into pedals because I would feel like that the sound would change so dramatically that mm-hmm. it would make it when you turn it off that it was it didn't feel like you were doing like it felt like boring. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, anything compared to that is going to sound boring. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's so it's like certain pedals, depending on how wild and wacky they are, if they're not like within a very particular, like a funny solo or bridge or something or an intro, you know, like that it's hard to, mm-hmm. that you have to figure out, be pretty strategic about it, I guess. Yeah. So it's just, it's like anything you have to practice it. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. So you've been doing this podcast now for, how long have you been doing it for? Uh, Just over a year, I'll say. Okay. And the pod yeah. and the demo channel for how long? Since September. Okay, so that's like so that's pretty new. But there are yeah. there are not a lot of like cis women trans non-binary folks in this space. So hence your response and creating the demo channel, right? And you named right. like you named like two people who do demos. It's 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 such a small yeah. number. Um, or at least Anne Sulikowski yep. and Megan L are uh, two women who do have gear, uh, guitar centric gear channels. I'm actually trying to find more people, just in general, especially people who aren't aren't white, because I want to write about uh, just more diverse. But I think I'm going to probably, if you look into different realms, there's people who aren't, you know, cishet, waspy type right. folks uh doing things like work like ableton demos and tutorial tutorials or synthesizer things yep um yeah yeah so, which is great yeah but yeah so if, if the idea is hopefully to think of ways to create like less of a barrier to that happening what would you like to see happen differently in the in like the gear zone in the gear space to, to make that happen I would like to see brands uh, reaching out to 
a more diverse scape of folks. And I get why a lot of brands want to do demos with the big channels because they want to have that wide reach. Um, but they're just hitting the same people over and over. So I look at my stats and then I know like other people's stats and like, I know that I have, you know, a, a more, a younger population. And I know that mm-hmm. I have a more female population of, you know, audience members. So that's just something to think about. Like, are you, do you want to reach the same people over and over or do you want to reach new audiences? And do you want to build up this, this idea that, you know, it's just, there's so many things that need to be done. It's hard to say where to start, but I think if if brands do better to help promote and if other, and if the good allies in the, the gear community, people like Ryan Burke from 60 cycle hum, who's been a huge supporter of mine. Mm -hmm. If, if, more people promote the women and the people of color and the non cishet folk who are doing these things because we do exist. The use, like this is not a competitive space. Like more viewers for me doesn't mean fewer viewers for you. And right. you know, Ryan gets that people are going to watch as much of this content as they can. And then it really will truly be like, who's creating better content. And then the people who are doing these events invite women, hey, like help them help us get, this cross promotion going with these mostly male demo channels because it's just it's pr and it's just like once it's like getting past the hump is hard and then it really will be and i think that's what some of these guys are afraid of is that once the women are out there doing things that once we have more visibility it really will be about quality over you know yeah but i think your point around saturation is super real right because it's like if you if it's just this small group of people who are all you know, watching the same videos, then, you know, you can, there's opportunity for so much, so many more people to be watching than are currently, currently watching. Yeah. Um, and they, and like, I get it. You want the saturation because you want the shotgun approach. You just want it sprayed everywhere. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, that recommendation is really uh, solid. And the cross promotion thing is like, is, is really key for folks to be like lifting each other up in that way. Yeah. I wouldn't have, I think the listenership the podcast has or the viewership that the YouTube has without support of people like Ryan Burke and some of these builders who are taking a chance on me, even though my audience is a little bit smaller because they want to have a more diverse viewership or customer base, because that's really how you're going to make the money. (laughs) Right. When half of new guitars are sold to women, those women need effects. They need amps. They need strings. They need all these kinds of things. And representation is so important, especially to women who are getting it. Like, I remember being uh, like 12 years old and the Donnas were big mm-hmm. to me, huge to me. And I know, like, not the coolest band in the world to like anymore, but uh, like just seeing Allison Robertson just absolutely shred on a Les Paul made me want a Les Paul and right. her aunt was a Marshall. So I wanted a Marshall. And because these were the brands that were supporting the artists that I could see myself within. Right. Yeah. The representation and, and seeing people like you doing it makes it real. It makes it possible. Um, and makes it something that you actually want to buy. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Not that, you know, bringing it back to capitalism. There we go. But it's, it's like, that's, it's real. It's like, that's what people are doing. They're trying to sell a product. So, yeah. um, capitalism can, can drive progress. It's, I, I think it's partly that 
the gear that the brands have the ability and the power to make change. And it's like, do they actually want to to do that or not? Yeah, that's what's uh, going to become clear. And are they going to I like people have asked me this, like, well, do you care if they're just trying to like pander? Like, I know that like the Wampler group now has the whole like no wife bashing in the group. And on one hand, I'm like, it doesn't make it okay that their moderators went around and to other groups I was in and took screenshots of uh, references that I made to my own body and then accused me of quote self-objectifying with no remorse. That's not um, real. Come on. Okay. No, anyway. it's not. And uh it doesn't make it okay that that happened, but I don't really care why people like I don't again, intentions don't matter. What matters is the result. And as the result of and if, if inclusion happens or making rules against exclusionary language happens because they're afraid of potentially losing a target market, like, listen, I don't care because the intent doesn't matter. What matters is now they're trying to do better. Yeah. And yeah. I think that, but creating that space and being clear on the front end, and it doesn't take much, right? So it's just like saying, these are the expectations no. that we have for this environment, whether it's yeah a discussion forum, whether it's like your YouTube page, whether it's like your workplace, um, your venue, any of that, right? So people just need to know what's expected and have positive expectations of, of what what's going to happen there. Yeah. We're getting towards the end here. Um, I just have a couple of quick questions. So first of all, what would you tell someone who wanted to start a podcast or a YouTube channel? Do it. If you want to start a YouTube channel, okay, podcast, uh, get a microphone that sounds okay. That's... It and then uh, do it. YouTube channel lighting is everything, so you can get like a twenty dollars lighting kit somewhere. Audio is the second most important thing after the lighting because no one's going to watch your video if it looks bad because no one's going to click on it, and then no one's going to keep listening if it sounds bad. So figuring out some sort of audio interface solution is key. I'd say just do it, and you know if you're a, a woman, a person of color, someone who's not cis het, and you want to dive into this, I'm happy to answer any questions. I would love to help amplify what you're doing. Uh, so don't hesitate to, to hit me up. Cool. Thank you for offering that. I think we all want, we all, you and I at least, I think, <laughs> want that. <laughs> I, maybe I'm generalizing. I don't know. Uh, but but yeah, I think it's it's very important to be able to like be a resource and it's awesome that you're open to that. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't be where I was without resources. I did not, I, I did this all myself. <laughs> Just me. me no and, help. Me and my bootstraps. This is mine. I did this. I just learned what bootstraps were a while back. And then I was like, oh yeah. Mm, yeah. Makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> so is there anyone else you think I should be interviewing? Anne Sulikowski. Cool. <laughs> Joey. <laughs> <laughs> Cool. I had a uh, Sadie Dupuis, always mm -hmm. interested in being on podcasts, I think. Totally. How long has this podcast existed? This is like brand new. This is, I mean, I've done a, a few interviews. This is probably like the fourth or fifth or something like that. But I've only nice. released, I just released my first episode like pretty recently. Oh, so. congratulations. Little, I'm little, go subscribe to it. Thanks. Yeah, a little baby podcast. A little baby podcast. Growing every day. Yes, that's the key. I, people always ask how the podcast is going. And I'm like, more average listeners every week. Look at that. Yeah, except that one week around the holidays, but the holidays don't count. That doesn't count. That's not real. All right. Any other questions that I missed or things that you were like, I want to talk about this thing and we didn't get to get to it? 
no, I think that just the gist is for me, like, I just really want the world to be better for everybody, especially for people who have been marginalized in any capacity. So, like, when I hear people say things like, oh, gear bros are kind of shitty to everybody, or when I hear somebody say, like, well, I had it hard, so I want everyone else to have it rough too. I hate that. I just think that's a terrible mentality to have. I think we should want the world to be better. And like when I say things like this, like this language is unwelcoming to women, I'm not talking about me. Listen, I don't, I don't give a shit. Like there's nothing someone can say to me that I haven't heard uh, except for that thing I had to Google. (laughs) (laughs) But even then, like I'd I'd heard that, just not that described that way. It's not for me. It's for like 12-year-old baby Emily would have struggled with that potentially. It might have turned... Like, I just don't want people who are younger or more sensitive to things. Like, being sensitive shouldn't shouldn't mean you, you don't get to, like, pursue what you want to do if what you want to do is have a podcast or a video channel or be a musician. Like, being sensitive shouldn't, should be a positive thing, I think. I don't want people to have to live in fear that words will be used against them in, in, in negative ways and that they won't be welcome. I just... I want it to be better. I think it's better than it used to be for sure. Right. Um, But I think we still have a long way to go in general inclusivity, especially in terms of language where it starts. Yeah. Language is a real thing and it has an impact. Yeah. Words hurt. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Despite my childhood rhymes, they hurt. (laughs) Just because you shouldn't have to be tough to be able to like express yourself. Yeah. (sighs) Being tough takes practice. It, It took me a long time to just, give fewer shits like it took me a really long time to realize that I didn't I it's weird I think it took like having a bad depressive episode to be like I just don't have the capacity to care what anyone else thinks about me right almost like you're you're too inside yourself to be able to worry about what's outside yeah no they nobody can be meaner to me than I am to myself exactly there you go yeah that's an interesting (laughs) slash bad (laughs) slash uh, revelatory experience I guess some people really I don't know. Yeah. My husband is really sensitive to, to outside feedback. Yeah. And I think that's, yeah, it's hard. And it's just, I think that people, I think people who are sensitive in some ways need to be able to express themselves through music or the arts in, yeah. more so than other people. And in some ways need that uh, space and that they're not going to be able to have it if they're feeling like they're not included mm-hmm. um, or supported in those spaces. That's true. All right. Thanks so much again for having me on. Yeah, thank you so much for being on. This has been a super nice conversation. And I just wanted to uh, give you time to let people know how they can uh, reach out to you, where they can find more. Yeah, uh, getoffsetpodcast.com is the website. We have a Facebook group called Get Offset Podcast and a Facebook page, Instagram, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, just wherever fine podcasts are found. Beautiful. Like a fine, (laughs) a fine wine, that podcast. Yes. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you so much uh, and have a great day. Thanks so much to Emily for joining me. Really, really cool to get a chance to actually get to talk to her. Uh, So many hot takes, so many hot tips. Um, I'm really, really going to learn how to solder one of these days. I swear to God. Uh, anyway, if you want to learn more about Emily and get offset, her links and all of her mentions from the episode are in the show notes. So take a look there. 
Um, I do want to take a minute today to talk about um, something super important, which is the topic of microaggressions. Because of the conversations around trolling and weird comments from folks in gear spaces in the interview, uh, when folks reach out to me about leading workshops with them on gender and equity issues, this is like a very common topic of interest. So I wanted to pop into it for a minute today. So what are microaggressions? They are statements, actions, or incidents regarded as instances of indirect, subtle, or unintentional discrimination against members of an oppressed group. And the term itself was coined by psychologist Daryl Wings Sue in 2007. So the term has really like gained popularity over the last 10 years or so, and it has also had a ton of critiques. Um, the major, well, not a ton of critiques, I would say most people are on board, but the term itself has been problematic for one major reason, and that critique is that um, a microaggression really isn't micro at all. Um, it's basically like death by a thousand cuts, right? The cuts may be small, but the impact is the same, death. The major problem with microaggressions is that people view them as though they aren't a big deal because by definition they happen every day. And so in some cases they are really more harmful and, and uh, offensive than than folks think they might be. Um, and but but that doesn't mean that they're not harmful. Um, as we've mentioned in the interview, the impact is not the same as the intent. So the impact is what matters, right? Um, if you think about racism or sexism or heterosexism occurring in a pyramid, right? So thinking about it like a pyramid and the bottom part portion of the pyramid, almost like if you've seen um, Maslow's pyramid of uh, self-actualization, for example, this is a pyramid of harm, right? So if you're thinking about it with uh, microaggressions at the base of the pyramid here, and these are these are most of the interactions that are harmful that we're experiencing are going to be happening, the largest portion in that bottom portion of the pyramid. While they may be small, the uh, major problem with them is that they can create a space where other more like immediately harmful behaviors can occur. So using the example from the interview, and like this is a content warning for sexual violence, when, when someone ignores you at a guitar store because they assume you aren't a customer, um, which in some ways, you know, assumes that you aren't you know, maybe a worthy person in the world. I know that feels like far-fetched, but you can extend on that, I think. That's the baseline for more harmful behavior, like gross inter internet comments, right? So, you know, ignoring someone leads, you know, sets up a space where it's okay to, you know, maybe say weird or gross things to them. Those gross internet comments then create a space where, like, as you're moving up this triangle of harm towards the top, you're experiencing more and more harm or violence, right? So it it's engaging in objectification, right? So that's where the problem comes when these gross comments are happening, when objectification is happening, like it's it's a real issue. And it's because throughout history, the first thing uh, or first step that you make towards making someone not a person um, and, and towards violence, right? So it's been used in slavery, it's used in the Holocaust, it's classic, right? So once um, you make someone not a real person, you create a space where some people think it's okay to actually harm them. That's how it happens, right? So you start with small comments leading to a little bit worse comments to worse and worse comments, objectifying comments so that person is not a person. And then if they're not a person, go ahead, you can be harmful towards them, it's fine. 
So, and as you know, like one out of four cis women experience sexual assault, and that rate is even higher for trans folks. And that's a huge, huge, huge number of people. So, um, and, you know, for folks experiencing that, even if they haven't experienced it themselves, the, the objectifying comments and the threats can be very real. And those comments can remind someone of the threat of violence, right? So even if someone claims that, that the person is saying it because it's a joke, it is harmful to the person experiencing it. Um, so it's also why, like, if you're a company, it's important to remove gross or objectifying comments from your social media um, and being really clear about where those things are, you know, OK or not OK, which is basically nowhere. But, you know, even if it's just like one of those like sploosh emojis, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, or even for some folks, like the term guitar porn can feel objectifying. Right. So and it makes a connection to them that this is like an unwelcome space or a space where they might feel threatened. So yeah, so microaggressions might seem micro, but the impact is super real. They're not micro at all. Um, a few days ago, I saw a small guitar company post that they didn't want to see. They made like a very bold statement saying that they don't want to see gross sexual comments on their Instagram page anymore. And it was honestly super, super heartening. And I I, you know, I'd already thought their guitars were really beautiful, um, but it really sold me on them as a company. It's, I was very, very impressed. Super cool. You know, I could talk about this all day. I'm going to stop here. If you want to talk about this or anything else or talk workshops, you can shoot me an email at midriffpodcast at gmail.com. I would love to hear from you. Um, and if you're into it, please subscribe, rate, or review the podcast. Uh, it really helps people learn about the show. So thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. Uh-huh.